from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. It's the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from Studio B on Airline Drive. We are ready to go on this Friday. That's right, you made it. The end of the week is here, and I'm Sean Kelly. Glad to be with you here today on this Friday. We've got lots to talk about. Obviously, last night, Game 1 of the NBA Finals. What a classic already. Uh, I guess I expected the way this would be the way that the series would start. And sure enough, uh, it did start in a great uh, in a great way with an overtime finish and a Warriors win last night in Game One. Uh, just a really brilliant game last night played on both sides. And the injury to Kyrie Irving obviously is going to set the tone for the rest of the series. It obviously had a factor in overtime last night as the Cavaliers were outscored, I think, ten to two in that one hundred eight one hundred final. And uh, I thought that Steve Kerr's halftime adjustment last night was pretty fantastic on how they wanted to. Defend LeBron James. Uh, it kept James from having an assist on a three-point make for the Cavaliers in the entire second half and overtime last night. And and while he put up a great performance going up for a game-high total in points, um, certainly it paid off for Golden State, who sneaks out of there with the overtime win and now leads one game to none. We're going to bring in John DeShazer today and talk to him about game one of the NBA Finals. And we'll also talk to John about the uh, the week that was for the New Orleans Saints as they wrapped up another round of OTAs yesterday. John DeShazer was at practice and then in the post-practice locker room. So we're going to lean on John uh, for both of his areas of expertise here on today's Black and Blue Report. And alongside John today with the uh, Saints, uh, Max Unger joins us on the Black and Blue Report. He spoke with the media after practice yesterday, and he was full go this week for the New Orleans Saints after we missed him uh, last week uh, due to the birth of a child, and that's a part of the conversation as well here on this Friday. So we've got a good show lined up for you, uh, plenty more to talk about. We'll do so later with regard to the weekend in sports. Obviously, college baseball takes a big stage here in Louisiana. And then on the national scene, not only will we have Game 2 of the NBA Finals, but but possibly a Triple Crown winner. And we'll, uh, we'll speak to that before we get done here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll bring in John DeShazer and get his thoughts not only on the NBA, but Saints practice this week as well. The heat is here, and Keefe's Air Conditioning and Heating is ready for action. Keefe's is South Louisiana's AC replacement specialists. When you're ready for a new high-efficiency, money-saving air condition unit, call us. And as always, call Keefe's, and we'll get you cool in three hours or less. Guaranteed. Conditioning and heating for fast relief. Call Keith. Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you're invited to try out. Audition prep classes are starting soon, with open auditions happening Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. Get details on these prep classes, open auditions, and full Pelicans dance team coverage now at pelicans.com. 
Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Well, we're going to hit on both sides of uh, John DeShazer's uh, areas of expertise on the Black and Blue Report. He joins us here on the telephone this morning. J.D., good morning. Good morning. Expertise. i tell you what, now, I feel like I should put a check in the mail or something. But yeah, we'll, we'll do what we can. Well, we're the ones putting the check in the mail, or at least the bank, and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll ask you about NBA and NFL. I think you're up to speed on both. Hey, let's start with the NBA game last night uh, before we get to the Saints. Um, game one of the NBA Finals certainly lived up to my expectations. What about you? Yeah, even more so. I mean, to get an overtime game, uh, especially going into Golden State, going into Oakland and playing in Oracle Arena, I think was a, a huge accomplishment for Cleveland. Now you wonder what they're going to be like the rest of the series. But, yeah, as, as an opening act, it's hard to beat an overtime game in game one of the, of the finals. Which, uh, which thing went right you, uh, in your eyes for the, for the Warriors? It was a game of adjustments. We kind of figured that. But did anything jump out to you as to it's what Steve Kerr and his staff decided to do against LeBron James and the Cavaliers? Well, I think they did what a lot of teams don't want to do for ego purposes, but what I think could work against the, against the Cavaliers in the simple um, play with LeBron one-on-one, he'll get his, but stop his sporting cast. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, LeBron ended up with, with 44, but a supporting cast outside of Kyrie Irving. Most of those guys are ineffective because everybody stayed home on their guy. And those aren't players who can score individually for the most part for Cleveland, except Kyrie Irving, who's now injured. But, I mean, the rest of those guys pretty much play off LeBron. So if you play him honest man-to-man, and yeah, he might go off of 44. But they score a total of 100. So you know what does that tell you? You know nobody else is involved much with that offense. So you can you know for ego purposes, you don't like to see a guy score that many points. Uh, but for a standpoint of effectiveness and getting a trophy, that might be the way to do it. Allow him to get his, or play him honestly, man to man, and then you match up against those other guys, and don't allow the J.R. Smith to get those open looks for threes. You know, play a Matthew Delavadova head up. You know, stay with an Iman Shumpert one-on-one. Do the best you can by staying with uh, Tristan Thompson and keeping him off the glass. Stay with Timofey Mazgov and see if you can keep him off the glass. Those kinds of things seem to work for Golden State in game one. You mentioned the injury to Kyrie Irving. How bad is bad right now for Irving and the Cavaliers, John? Well, it looks awful. I mean, we don't have a report on it right now, but, I mean, it looked awful. He said it felt like something different, and we know he'd already been dealing with knee and ankle issues in both legs, so... You know, whatever it was, the way he limped off and slammed his jersey down, the look on his face, and he looked pretty despondent from what I saw from the uh, interviews on TV today. He just looks like he's going to be a guy who might not be able to be a GOAT. He's going to have an MRI, so maybe it's some structural damage. Certainly you hope it's not, but, I mean, from his, from his demeanor and the way he had to limp off the court, you wonder even if he's able to strap it up and go for game two, how effective can he be, how long can he play, because he was a very good defender against Steph Curry in Game One, but if he's not his whole self, or at least you know a portion of what he was in Game One, there's no way in the world he's going to be able to stay in front of a guy like Steph Curry. So, and he's not going to be able to chase a Clay Thompson either. So, you know, he will be basically ineffective, and they'd have to go with Matthew Delvin over because simply Kyrie Irving wouldn't be able to play. He wouldn't be able to help him a whole lot. Yeah, no doubt. And but with that being said, let's not forget here, John, that. The Cavaliers, albeit on a tough look from Iman Shumpert, had a chance to win at the end of regulation, and they do go overtime on the road in Game 1. So obviously there had to be some things, John, that uh, the Cavaliers did that caused some discomfort for Golden State. 
Well, I mean, the thing was, you know, LeBron scored his 44, and Kyrie Irving played pretty well. And if, and under normal, normal circumstances, if J.R. Smith plays a decent game, they might win that game. I think J.R. made three three-pointers in that game, but for the most part, he was pretty ineffective. He scored nine points, and they're outscored off the bench 34-9, to Cleveland was. So, you know, that didn't help him. J.R. Smith basically is their only third off the bench. He didn't give them a whole lot in game one. Now, if you're Cleveland, yeah, you look at it and say, okay, we were right there at the end of regulation, but now you're talking about trying to replicate that or win without Kyrie Irving, who is your clear number two player. So is J.R. Smith going to step up? Is Amon Shumpert going to play better? Because he's going to have to play better. Tristan Thompson, I think, only scored one bucket in the game, and they're going to have to have more out of him offensively. Even though they don't run plays for him, he's going to be able to score off those offensive rebounds if he's able to get and score off a couple of lobs. And he wasn't able to do that because they stayed home with him. So, you know, a lot of things change if you can't have Kyrie Irving because now, even though they probably don't want to concentrate all their energies on, on LeBron James, Golden State, but now they have the option to do that because, you know, now Cleveland's down even less more, even less because they're out of a score in Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. He's John DeShazer, of course, my partner on the Pelicans Radio Network and senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. And with that being said, let's switch gears to the black and gold, J.D. Yesterday, you were able to go to uh, Saints practice as they wrapped up uh, their next or their latest phase of OTAs. Give me some takeaways from what you saw yesterday. Well, I mean, you know, you you, you like to see how the receivers and the, and the defensive backs are going because really those are maybe the only true kind of eyeball test that you can really get out of the whole process. And, you know, Brandon Coleman and Sean Tavius Jones you know, we don't want to overhype these guys. They're second-year players. They were undrafted rookies last year. They stuck on the practice squad. They got late call-ups to the 53-man active roster at the end of the season. But both of them looked like night and day from last year. Uh, saw Jones make a beautiful catch yesterday and run away from you know, Keenan Lewis as he's going down the sideline you know, for a score. Again, it's OTAs, but you just like to see the flashes. You like to see guys able to use that size. You see Luke McCown. And, and, and Grayson, Garrett Grayson, excuse me, and uh, Ryan, Ryan Griffin, Andrew Brees, for that matter, being able to use those big targets, just throw it high over the defender and let those guys go up and get it and fit it into some tight windows, some windows that you know, otherwise wouldn't be there if those guys weren't 6'3 and 6'6. So they remain impressive. But you also like to see, you know, Max Unger was able to get back into it. He and his wife, Leah, had a baby girl, Cameron, uh, on Monday, so... He was able to finally participate in OTAs. He missed last week and excused absence, obviously, to be with his wife. They gave birth on Monday, so he got back into the swing of it. They had a little fun at the end of practice where, you know, the offensive and defensive linemen compete, had a, had a punt-catching uh, uh, competition. And you can, uh, as Coach Payton said, you know, you can tell which one of those guys, you know, which one of the guys played baseball before. You know, the ones who were able to, to settle under a pop fly and the ones who had no idea what they were doing. Uh, interesting enough, to Ron Armstead was the smoothest out of everybody, the, the left tackle. He is a pure athlete for a guy that big. I mean, he settled under like it, you know, like it was nothing. Made a hands catch, as a matter of fact. Didn't even corral it against his body. Didn't trail it against his body. Made a hands catch. So, you know, those are some of the interesting things that you're able to see out of LTAs. You know, it's difficult to make a real judgment of what's happening on the line because guys don't have on pads, so they can't be as physical as they normally would be. So, yeah, they might make a nice move, but you just don't know how effective it's going to be until you put the pads on and you can actually exert some pressure against the guy who's standing across from you, a guy who's trying to beat your brains out also. And so 
you know, those are some of the quick takeaways that you're able to get. And Garrett Grayson, you know, he's able to participate, wasn't able to go last week. He was at the rookie, uh, a rookie symposium type thing for the NFL, the quarterback. So he was able to get out and throw some, and he was as accurate as advertised. But again, you know, if you're not exerting pressure up front, and if the DBs can't really get into it as, as the way they normally would with pads on, you know, it, it's almost a situation where if the offense doesn't win, you're a little bit disappointed, you know, because it's not like anybody's hitting anybody or anything like that. All you can do is go for interceptions and those kind of things. But Garrett Grayson did look, you know, like the guy he's advertised to be. He's poised to sit on the bench behind Drew Brees, and he's got no problem with that. He wants to learn from Drew Brees. So it's interesting to see how that works out because he's got some competition there. Now, this has not been a team that traditionally has just handed away roster spots. Even though he's a drafted rookie as a quarterback and he might be the quarterback of the future, there's still Ryan Griffin and there is still Luke McCown, and you don't know how that situation is going to play out. I don't think he's the guy that they're going to be able to cut, obviously, and get to the practice squad. So they're going to have to do something eventually at quarterback at the quarterback position, and I guess we'll see how that plays out over the summer and through training camp. Yep. Uh, did Coach Payton have anything uh, insightful yesterday post-practice? No, I mean, it was pretty much, you know, the larger list of things that uh, that usually that usually are talked about, you know, just reference a few players here and there and, and their progress. Uh, one thing he did mention, you know, was that, you know, if you're a receiver that the Saints don't draft, you know, they kind of look for some things that stand out about you, and that's how you end up with a Shontavious Jones and a Brandon Coleman. You know, they look for, if you know, you want a guy who, if he's smallish, he's got to be, you know, pretty quick. If he's not smallish, then he needs to be a little bit bigger and give you a, a bigger catch radius and those kind of things. You know, some things that he's discussed before. Um, you know, injury situation, you know, that's one of the things that he does, does not address until he has to. And so, you know, the guys who sat out yesterday, we don't know exactly what their status is. You know, we know Mark Ingram was not there. He, I mean, he did not work out yesterday. Junior Gallette didn't work. And um, so um, Danell Ellerby had an excused absence, and all those things are, are you know, things we'll just – keep an eye on as we move toward the uh, toward the summer work. I guess what? next? Uh, do they have one more round of OTAs next week, John, or are we heading now for minicamp? Yeah, we've got one more OTA uh, next Wednesday, uh, and then uh, the minicamp, which will be available, will, which will be open to the public, will be after that. And uh, after that, we will go dark until it's time to go to, uh, to um, West Virginia. Yep, well, it's rolling along now. My friend, thank you for the report. Good stuff, and uh, enjoy the weekend, my friend. I will do so, and I hope you do so also. And uh, as we barrel toward uh, toward a little bit of rest period, and, and we'll all look forward to going up to to, to West Virginia after that. But first, we got to do a little recharging of the batteries. Yeah, let's not rush into Greenbrier just yet, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's John DeShazer, of course, from NewOrleansSaints.com and the Pelicans Radio Network. John mentioned uh, Max Unger. He'll be our guest here in just a moment. He's up right after this on the Black and Blue Report. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. 
Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. We continue on this Friday here on the Black and Blue Report, and we continue our conversation about the New Orleans Saints and their work this week. Certainly it was great to see Max Unger back with the team, his new team, uh, during OTAs this week. And as uh, John DeShazer mentioned, Max had a good day yesterday and then a good media session as well in the locker room after practice. Let's let you listen in on that. Uh, John DeShazer is first up and then uh, takes us through the, uh, the media gathering around Max's locker yesterday in the uh, uh, facility just down the hall from us. Um, just your thought about um, finally being on the, on the field with the team. Yeah, uh, it's going good. I missed last week, but, uh, you know, got back out here uh, this week and uh, just kind of learned on the fly. Um, but uh, so far, so good. I mean, everything's kind of coming together. You know, as a vet, fairly easy adjustment? Uh, yeah, sort of. I mean, the uh, the concepts are similar, but uh, we're being, uh, or I'm being asked to do something, uh, you know, little, little changes here and there, but, uh, you know, the playbook's coming along, so. What, what are some of the different changes? I mean, the, like the the concepts are the same. Uh, techniques a little bit different. You know, obviously uh, different coaching, different style, and uh, just kind of adjusting to that. And uh, you know, been, you've been doing something for a little while, and then uh, you know, just changing little little steps here, hand placement there, uh, stuff like that. What's your overall impression of being here with this team? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I could obviously, you know, on the offense, it's uh, you know, pretty veteran group. I mean, uh, got a lot of success. You know, awesome offense, and it's just uh, it's cool being a part of it. Max, will it be a little different? I mean. If you look at it last year, Drew had more completes than Russell had attempts. So it's a different philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't it, think about that. Is, yeah. it, is it more fun? Will it be? How much different will it be? Pass blocking more than than maybe you have done in the past. Yeah, it's just a you know a little bit different. I mean, uh, it's just something that I haven't done a lot of. I mean, like you said, um, didn't have as many. Uh, Russ didn't have as many attempts as uh, Drew had completions. Uh, just a different style of football. I mean, uh, it's something that I do and I've been doing for a long time. And it's just uh, adjusting to that. You, you see your role and. As far as keeping people out of the middle, as far as being the quarterback being able to step up, how critical? Oh uh, yeah, is that? I mean that's I mean that's you know pretty pretty standard across the league. You know the the inside three are responsible for the depth of the pocket, and the tackles are responsible for the width. And so that's uh, that's something that uh, you always got to kind of be mindful as the you know firming up the inside of the pocket. So. How challenging is it to adjust to a new quarterback when you're used yeah. to a guy? Uh, no, you know, Drew, uh, Drew does a lot out there. I mean, uh, he talks a lot. He gets, uh, you know, a lot of people on the same page, and uh, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, uh, you just got to listen to him, and, uh, you know, he, he changes stuff in the line of scrimmage. You just got to be able to uh, adjust to that. So I know uh, Drew and Russell kind of have a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, is that something that you, you find? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, guys? I mean, you know, any center around the league is going to have to have a pretty, uh, you know, a good uh, verbal communication with their quarterback. I mean, uh, stuff happens, you know, last minute. You just got to kind of be able to adjust to it. Uh, you know, Russell did stuff like that, and Drew, you know, obviously he's been doing that for a long time, and it's, uh, you know, I'm just kind of catching up to him. So, Max, fourth down at the one in the Super Bowl. You're making a no. play call. <laughs> no. God, that's a no, no fly zone, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, uh, you know, you can't question play calls. I mean, uh, you know, when it came to the huddle, just kind of went with it and, uh, you know, didn't didn't work out quite the way we wanted to. Does Brandon Brown ever tell you anything about it? <laughs> no, I played with him. We had, we had a discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's all good, though. How about how about the the way this organization does business compared to the last place? Is it dramatically different, Max? I mean, you know, a lot of teams do a lot of things different. I mean, uh, you wouldn't say one is better than the other, or you know, or necessarily worse. I mean, uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know finding out you know how they do things and and being able to uh, you know get in the grove and have good relationships with everybody. So, so Max, now was the the punt return drill was that good preparation for the hands? Oh my goodness, that was so bad, dude. I was like, I was the last one up, of course, too, right? And I had to lose it for the offense. But what do you? Gonna do new dad 
I am. Yeah, my uh, had a baby girl. Yeah, on uh, Monday, so it was uh, it was pretty exciting. First kid. So what's her name? Cameron. And how much did she weigh? Oh, uh, she was 7'11", 21 inches. So uh, yeah, it was my wife was uh, she was a champ. She uh, she did really well. How many is that for you? Just one. That was our first, first baby. One. So yeah. What's that like? It was uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 very difficult not being uh, with my wife right now. She's back up in Seattle, and uh, you know, being a single mom, um, it's uh, it's a pretty tall order. So put this, in, put this in perspective. Yeah. Winning a Super Bowl and your first child. Yeah. Oh, you want, I have to yeah. pick one? No, you know, um, it's it's two things that you'll be able to hang on to, you know, for yeah. the rest of your life. It's uh, you know, obviously both um, pretty significant life events, but uh, you know, it's you know, I'm very fortunate, you know. I mean, uh, it's it's been pretty cool couple last year. So, so we're gonna assume you were in the room. Any uh, play calling? Any coaching in there? Oh man, <laughs> I tell you, I didn't have to say anything. Uh, it was it's pretty intense. I mean, I mean, for those of you who have children, I mean, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's it's pretty serious business that of course is new Saints center max unger at his locker yesterday after practice here on airline drive and yes max you are correct uh it is a very um serious situation when that new child comes into the world we'll look forward to seeing max again next week and of course we'll have more saints coverage uh coming at you on monday's black and blue report as a matter of fact we'll take a quick break here and then i'll give you a little taste of what's to come on monday in just a moment in New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun, interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. Coming up on Monday, John DeShays will be in the host chair. He will be right here at Studio B on Monday, and he, of course, will continue our conversation about the New Orleans Saints. We'll have more interviews to play for you on Monday. John's inside, of course, and a recap of what then will be Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Game 2 will be played on Sunday out at Oracle Arena in Oakland. Uh, we've got a great sports weekend on tap, don't we? We've got the NBA playoffs. We've got NHL playoffs this weekend. A huge college baseball series up in Baton Rouge. All the best to uh, everyone traveling to and from because uh, they will be packed in. Over 11,000 people are expected for each of the games in the Super Regional between the LSU Tigers and the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Uh, that'll be a really fun series to keep an eye on, whether in person or um, on television, to say the least. And then a little horse racing this weekend. The Belmont runs tomorrow. Will we have a triple crown winner before the weekend is over? American Pharaoh, I think, has a fairly decent shot at getting this done and would be the first uh, to do so since affirmed back in the late 70s. So whatever you're doing this weekend, uh, make sure you really enjoy it and spend time with family and friends and try and stay cool. It's going to be a little warm uh, here in southeast Louisiana. 
We wish you all the best wherever you may be, and we thank you, of course, for being with us all week long on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll see you right here next time on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.